Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Asians Represent. My name is Daniel, and I just want to provide a little bit of a content warning before we get into announcements and this episode. Uh, in this episode, we talk about an anthology of games about sex. So this episode is all about human relationships, sexuality, and the like. Um, so just wanted to throw that out there for you folks. Asians Represent is kind of moving back to our monthly podcast format since we can't put out Dungeons into Asians. Uh, we're going to be strictly limiting the podcast feed to these interviews. Uh, that being said, I am committed to making sure that we get one, at least one episode a month, you know, on on this podcast feed. Um, we've been doing a lot of other creation outside of the podcast, though, so it's not like Asians Re Represent is kind of taking a step back with the hiatus of Dungeons and Asians. We're doing a lot more. Every Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern, uh, Steve and I have been hosting a Twitch series called Asians Read. <coughs> uh, Asians Read is a live read-through of the AD&D Oriental Adventures Handbook. And it's not just uh, like your average read-through, though. Steve and I, alongside some amazing guests, have been critically analyzing all of the content in that handbook. Uh, we've put about 18 hours into that so far, and all of that uh, is streamed at twitch.tv uh, slash AZNSrep. Now, you know, I know we have a lot of fans who are in different time zones, and 7 p.m. Eastern might not work for you because you might be asleep. So don't worry. Uh, all of those streams are uploaded to our YouTube channel, and that's just youtube.com slash AZNSrepresent. It's the same handle that we have on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So Steve and I have been doing that Friday stream with the occasional Saturday special. Uh, we've, I think at this point, with some of the Representacon content, there is now 21 hours of content on our YouTube channel that you can go through. So if you're if you're a publisher and you want to publish something with Asian themes, and maybe you aren't Asian, consider giving these a look. Or, you know, if you've just got a home game and you are really interested in, say, ancient China or ancient Japan, and you want to put some of those cultural uh, keystones or cultural signifiers into your game, ch check, out, check out our YouTube series. It's free content. Um, to help you make your games more ethical and more representative in a positive way. So that's what we've been doing. Uh, we also have a Discord. So if you head to our Twitter, that's just Twitter, at AZNSRepresent, you can find a link to our Discord community. We have over 100 members right now, and I want us to get to like 500 members. Uh, it's been a great place for discussion and just community building. Uh, I'm excited to see what's going to come out of that. Now, today's guests are two amazing people who have been around the Asians represent uh, sort of creative space for a really long time. First guest is Cleo Yansu Davis, who was on one of the early episodes of our podcast to talk about LARP and K-pop. Uh, so we have Cleo. We also have a new guest for the podcast, and that's Sharang Biswas. Now, Sharang and Cleo are both graduates from the NYU Tisch um, School of the Arts. They are like very good friends. Uh, both work as game designers, writers, and artists. Uh, Cleo is based in Texas, 
and Sharang is based in New York. But they both came together to work on an upcoming anthology of games about sex called Honey and Hot Wax. Uh, so this this book is comprised of uh, nine designers, two editors, who came together to create games that talk about sex, LARPs that feature sex, and games that challenge how you think about role-playing, sexuality, and human relationships. This is not necessarily uh, an Asian-themed episode, but it features two Asian creators who are in the process of working on a book that you know touches on themes that are universal to the human experience. Uh, so this is a very different episode. Uh, Amar was also here to join us, so it was really nice to you know, have another member of our core Asians represent crew um, join me for this interview. So with that being said, please give it up for Sharang and Cleo plus Amar. So I This is a topic that we have not touched on Asians Represent. You are both involved with uh, Honey and Hot Wax, an anthology of erotic art games. Yes. And, <laughs> and that's uh, going to be published by Pelgrin Press. Um, and it's on pre-order right now. Yes. It's coming where out later this year, but it's on pre-order on the Pelgrin website. Yeah. So where where did this idea come from? Because, uh, Sharang, I know that you're you're one of the editors. You yeah. and Lucian. Um, we couldn't have Lucian on the show, but we could have you on the show and Cleo, who's one of the designers, but yeah. where did this idea come from? So, um, this, I, okay, actually I want to go back way back when. So, um, my, one of my artistic interests right now is, um, very much about, um, verbs and role-playing games specifically, uh, can we use, um, so role-playing games are all, I would say all games use different actions, procedures, and verbs to represent other action procedures and verbs, right? Like rolling dice to represent hitting a monster, for example, is a common one in D&D, right? So you're using one action to represent another action. So my one of my artistic interests right now is can we expand that range of actions, right? So one of the games I've published and, and has uh, got some acclaim called Feast was all about can I use the act of eating food to represent other things, right? So um, I was thinking along those lines because I'm really interested in that right now. And for one of the 200-word role-playing game contests, I wrote a game um, uh, called Several Miles from Heaven where you are stripping in front of another person and the act of stripping is representing certain things. And so that I'm like, wait a minute, that's kind of a... Because in that game, um, stripping represents both sexiness but also vulnerability, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm like, that's interesting. This one act, which can be very sexy, can also be this other thing, right? And so that made me think about can, can we have acts that are considered sexy also represent non-sexy or other other things completely and then uh i started thinking about that and i started talking to lucian and i'm like wait a minute can we do an anthology of role-playing games where sex acts represent other things that was the initial initial idea where can we have a role-playing game where i am literally out of character performing a sex act but then in game it means something else right and that was really interesting and then we started discussing this more and decided to expand the scope and say why don't we make an anthology of role-playing games that 
has a dual purpose where one half of the game will be like this, where half of the game actually involve you doing sex act, while the other half of the games involve um, just other kinds of games that discuss sex and sexuality in a in a way that hasn't really been done before. Um, and then we saw there was a grant from the Effing Foundation and we applied for it. And yeah, and now the book's coming out soon. So That's awesome. That's and Amara, I like if if you have any questions, like please mm -hmm. feel free to chime in. I'm just I have I'm looking at the descriptions of the of the games right now, particularly yours, because we have you on with us. But I see that, you know, Alex Roberts has one. Cleo, pass the sugar, please. Yeah. So the pass the sugar, please. So let me read the description for the uh, for the audience because they they might not have the page open. Um, friends and strangers meet for afternoon tea, only to realize that they already hooked up with someone there at a secret BDSM sex party. Can you convey messages about your intimate experiences using only descriptions of the food? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to remember like how I came up with I mean I don't remember the exact moment I came up with the idea for this but I do know that it was stemmed from like you know what do I really like in life afternoon tea <laughs> how can I because <laughs> Sharon does so many games that are food focused and, and so I joked at first that this is like this is Cleo doing a Sharon game where it's sex and food <laughs> and Amazing. so and I also just really like games that play with communication um, and like having really strict limitations on how players can communicate. Um, and I also, on top of that, which is probably the reason why the content is exactly as it is, I have like a love-hate relationship with the movie Eyes Wide Shut, where it's like, I keep God. watching it so that I can be like, what is this? <laughs> and I keep showing it to friends because I need to like be able to talk to other people about it. Um and like I don't know, I was eyes wide shut. I, I'm sure there are plenty of people listening to this who may, may have never heard of it. It's like a Stanley Kubrick. It's one of his last films, um, if not his last. I believe film. it's his last. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where it's this rich white couple who goes to like rich white people BDSM secret super elite like nobody can like know about it party. Um, and so I wanted to take the idea of this really snobby take on the bdsm community in world uh <laughs> and try to the, the finer things club yeah um because the idea of like we have to have no one can know this about us there must be so much secrecy it is completely taboo for us to speak openly about this outside of the club mm -hmm. and to take those people and put them in a situation where they have to like try to in some way without making it obvious with the idea that at the end of the game when spoilers for past the sugar please like when you are able eventually to openly talk about it there is a sense of relief of like oh my god isn't it so much better to just be like open and honest and actually talk literally about the things we're trying to talk about instead of just dancing around it this entire time yeah when so i first ran the game at uh, pax unplugged one of the players at the end told me uh, to the group, you know, where we're debriefing. She was like, this is so cool. This is a game about the importance of open communication in relationships. And I'm like, yup. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, so so it's not a two-player game. This is a this is a group game? Yeah, so it's either four players or six players because everybody's going to be paired up, um, but everyone's sitting around a table generally. Mm -hmm. And the food items and different types of tea are represented by cards that are on the table. And so everything kind of comes out um, 
in courses or like the way that they would during like actual afternoon tea where it's like, okay, so here, order the tea first. Then I think after that, it's like you get the sandwiches sandwiches, and then you get like scones and preserves. uh, And then at the end, you get just like all sorts of like desserts, like cakes and cookies and stuff. And so each card has a little description on it too, that'll help maybe provide a little bit more detail about like, what could you use this card uh, to this, to use as like a metaphor or a euphemism. So it'll have a little description of what the food looks like. Like, is there something a little bit weird about it or different about it? Um, and people, but people have to get really creative about how to actually use them to describe sex acts. And just to clarify, this is a game where this is actually a a saucy game in terms of its ultimate like theme. But while you're playing the game, yeah, I love the word saucy. Cleo knows. Um, you know, (laughs) but while you're playing the game, it's not actually a terribly sexual sort of game because literally what you're doing is let's say my character wants to tell Cleo, uh, I love that you spanked me last night, for example, right? Something very basic. I have to do so by using the card. So I'll be like, Oh, those peaches are so bruised on that dessert. Isn't that a lovely bruised peach? Ooh, you know? Um, so the game itself is actually very innocuous, which is why I played it in a random con and with lots of people around me, right? Um, so some people initially um, were like, oh, the, 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 there's currently intermersive theaters running an interactive theater show online on Zoom using Cleo's game. And a lot of people have asked, oh, that's a bit too, too, too risque for me. And we're like, well, thematically it's risque. At the end of the game, you will be saying a few, you'll be saying words that are risque. But the game itself is actually talking about food. Um, which makes it, I think, very accessible as well to a lot of people. And it also it, it helps a lot of people who are not used to talking about sexuality and or BDSM to like get comfy with those ideas. Because by the end of the game, you're comfy to then outright say, oh, I was actually telling you about, you know, um, uh, sounding or whatever, you know. Mm. Nice. Um, Amar, you were going to say something? Yeah, so you, you brought up something uh, very very interesting there, Sarang, uh, which is how, how have you navigated sort of consent and safety through this process in both the design and, I mean, is it just, and do you have an introduction that says, okay, be sure to have conversations ahead of time and here's some safety tools or did you work that into the design of each of your games? Yeah, so so it is important to know that I did not design all the games, right? I designed one of the games. So uh, just to clarify for listeners. Um, so um, one thing we have that each author, the first layer is that, when, I'll, I'll start at the beginning. We had, we had many layers of this. So when we started, we, or the first layer was, this is going to be a call for a game. Right? We, didn't, we, didn't, we didn't commission specific designers from the get-go. We said, we have an open call, submit something. And we, our first step was we had to have a very robust description of what we wanted represented, right? So for using uh, the Effing Foundation as a resource and using some other resources, we're like, this is what we mean by sex and sexuality. This is what we mean by our diversity statement. And because I firmly believe that art should talk about anything, uh, we even said we are open to games that are about uh, problematic issues. Just note Mm -hmm. that we will be giving a stronger curatorial eye to those games to ensure that, you know, these are what we want to represent. Okay, that was our first layer. Second layer was every game that came in got seen um, by both me and Lucian, who have a very different experience with sex sexuality. Remember, we, 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 you know, your podcast is about the importance of diversity in a way, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, having diverse 
eyes look at that thing is important. And then we also sent each each pitch and then each game to be looked at both by our publisher, Kat Tobin, who, you know, is another country, you know, has another view yep. and entirely, and the head of the effing foundation for whom this is an area of expertise, right? So she then looked at each game and, and, and she actually gave really good feedback at times that we did pass on to some of the designers, like, hey, effing foundation has this thought or this concern. So that was really good. That was the second layer. The third layer, each designer has a section on um, safety, even if it's short, right? Even if it's short, um, because not all games warrant like three, four pages on safety. Some of them do. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if it's short, every designer has a section on mm-hmm. uh, how to handle consent and safety and stuff in their game. Like right? Cleo's game, for example, has a very explicit section. Like here are example topics you might want to tell your players might come up. Do they want to nix that? Do they want to X card that now? You know, for example, Cleo's game has mm-hmm. that. And then after that, we commissioned a separate chapter um, 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 that looked at all the games and then um, ro- and then used uh, outlined a set of tools that players could use. Um, also saying, and this is important, also detailing the idea that. Um, this is a shared storytelling experience, so mm-hmm. safety and consent needs to be upheld by everyone in the game, and it is impossible to always guarantee that because you can never be in someone's head, right? Um, keeping that clear, because I think that's important to make clear, but still having this chapter with all these tools and resources to use. So I think... Um, I think we did a pretty good job with like outlining and curating and then giving tools uh, for ways to ensure safety and consent. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it was sort of uh, it was designed to be safer and consensual from the get go. Uh, which is I think it was especially important because we're dealing with topics that are of a sensitive nature. Now, of course. The issue is, you, you know, one could argue, well, murder and death can be sensitive as well. But in the wider culture, sex mm-hmm. and sexuality is viewed in a particular light that warrants an extra layer of thinking about safety and consent. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it was very important for us to keep that in mind. Dang. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking through the page and it starts with sex is and then there are all these headings and they talk about the different games. So, Cleo for your game, sex is difficult to describe using only a plate of sandwiches. <laughs> difficult, but not impossible. Difficult, but not impossible. Sharang, your, your game is sex is not gay if it's with your bro. Yeah. And so oh, the echo of the unsaid, that's your game. Yeah. So it's Two ostensibly straight college boys explore unresolved sexual tension and quite possibly romantic attraction. You tell the story of sex by not talking about it, letting silence speak volumes. So is this similar to Cleo's in that, you know, you're you're not overtly talking about sex, but it's in, there? In that regard, I mean, Cleo's read my game. In that regard, it is similar, but it is a very different game from Cleo's. Um, so Cleo's game is a lot more lighthearted and um, it's like funny and while you're playing it you will like laugh in and out of character and it's very joyous in that way right my game harkens more to the tradition of dramatic Nordic LARP in a way um, and okay, uh, you'll have to explain that as well sure sure so like uh, the Nordic tradition of LARP uh, very often I mean there's a lot of 
definitions and characteristics, but one of the things they're known for very often is Nordic. The Nordic tradition of LARPs are often very serious uh, and, um, yeah, serious, right? They deal oh, with very okay. topics, right? Um, so my game, when I started making, this is the hardest game I've ever had to design. It uh, had eight different game concepts completely before I settled on this. Um, because it's it's easy, and, and I think Cleo can attest to this, it's easy to just make a game and be like, and now throw some titties in it or something stupid like that, right? And be like, it's a game, here's sex in it, right? It's much harder to make a game where sex plays a central role in the artistic vision and the p- purpose of the sex in the game uh, has an artistic purpose, right? That was a badly constructed sentence, but you get the point. Um, yeah. Um, and so it took me a long time. I finally crystallized on this idea while driving with my partner down from a nude summer camp in Rhode Island. Um, I was talking to him about how I was frustrated, and then, and then he helped me crystallize the idea. But it's a game where it's a two-player game. Uh, you are playing uh, frat bros who identify as straight and are cis. Uh, you don't have to be straight or cis or a man to play the game, but your characters are. Um, and you keep having scenes where you're hanging out and then hooking up. Uh, and you to play the game, you literally hook up. So after the first scene, uh, you uh, um, offer um, manual stimulation. Uh, after the second scene, you have oral sex. And after the third scene, you make out. And the game ends with you staring into each other's eyes for three minutes. Um, and but every time you hook up, you then have a minute of silence where you are not allowed to speak. And then the next scene will start. And the, the rule of the game is you are never allowed to directly talk about the sex that you are having with your best friend. You have mm. to go around it in circles if you want to refer to it at all. Or you just avoid the topic completely. Um, and how does that affect your relationship with each other, be it friendship or romantic? And, it was, and I, I say, like, possibly romantic romantic because um they're definitely like i have hooked when i was in college i hooked up with dudes who then and now identify as straight right and who am i to say no they're not straight because one time they hooked up with a dude no right so i i, I wanted to be like um this is a game that's what this game is, is about complex I mean, it's inspired by, you know, my life. It's in, it's about complex, convoluted thoughts about what does having sex with someone else mean about my identity, um, if it means anything at all. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. You, you, yeah, that's ahead, uh, real interesting. You, you raised uh, something, a really interesting point, which is I think most of us have had the experience of being around a table, playing a game like D&D, and, you know, rolling for flirting, uh, <laughs> rolling for hooking up. And uh, that... You know, this, this system isn't really designed to support that kind of behavior. So I guess what I'm asking is, uh, is there anything of this anthology or through this experience of designing these games that you came out going like, oh, you could actually kit bash this into D&D and improve that particular mechanic or support that kind of storytelling in D&D or, you know, Star Wars or some other sort of much, uh, much more, I guess, vanilla, for lack of a better term, uh, system? Um, yeah, well, the first thing is that um, every min- every game you've ever played, you can hack and put into your existing game campaign, right? You can have your mm-hmm. D&D players have a BDSM party and then go to a tea party the next day having to talk about it. I think that would be mm-hmm. lovely, right? So uh, on the, on the, uh, on the um, uh, I'm using the word gross, but not to mean yucky. I mean like... Uh, whole uh, in the gross sense uh you can just take one of these games and port them right into into your other game right like mm-hmm. it's 
and without much difficulty, just like you can do with any other game and make the mini games. However, um, I think one of the big things is that um, all these games are are, are a lot, they're all about like heavy like role play, right? So mm. all these games make you role play, and most of these games make you role play in ways that you might not have before. Where are you? If you're only familiar with games like D and D, right? Um, mm. Because these games are all, uh, most of them are about like topics that are much more personal or that are much more um, difficult to talk about normally. So um, you know, uh, even even if they're speculative, right? Cat Jones and Julia Ellingbo's game um, is about aliens, uh, about an alien symbiote that infects your body, and then the two of you are like experiencing sensation together for the first time, right? That's a very speculative thing, but that that that's still like a, a how do you role play that? Like that's interesting. Um, that will build your skills in role play, which I think uh, uh, is. Yeah very important um uh, on the other hand um i don't know because like none of these games use dice right they're all technically lot so you can play some of them like cleo's game is very playable around a table and if you don't want to get as into character cleo's game absolutely supports that um mm -hmm. but um uh i would say hmm, i would say it's more about the ideas and role play techniques that are easily portable. And then if you do a little bit of work, you can probably hack these games to fit into your world where your characters come to, to and, and take part in one of this. Like I can very much imagine two characters in your D&D or Star Wars or whatever world, like have an, a game of the Echo of the Unsaid, where instead of, you know, frat boys at, at an American it's university. Anakin and Obi-Wan. Right, right. Um, instead of frat boys American university, they are exactly two Jedi at the Jedi Academy, or they are two, two students at the Wizard School, or something like that, and that will help two stormtroopers. That would be amazing, right? Or a stormtrooper and a pilot of the Resistance, right? Um, um, uh, those things can be very um, interesting. Cleo, what do you think? Yeah, I feel like. That's the thing, too, is that you can make so many different weird little adaptations based on kind of like doing a crossover situation. Um, and I also do like I personally, whenever I run D&D or like Pathfinder or just or anything that's a little bit more mechanics heavy, because I, I feel like the gaming tradition that I mostly or traditions that I mostly work in are very mechanics light mm -hmm. um, and like heavy emphasis on storytelling mm -hmm. at, at like at the expense not at the expense of mechanics but like it, the mechanics are not going to determine like if you really want to do something in it the mechanics are not going to like try to prevent you from doing a thing um and so i try to kind of take that philosophy i guess or that approach and apply it to other games and especially i feel okay so i was thinking about this earlier um but especially when it comes to things like themes of intimacy i really like it for mechanics not to really like dictate how that plays out like that because that that takes away a little bit of an element of consent i feel is like if a die roll is going to determine how a character feels about something or if a character is successful in communicating a thing like you, you can get into really sketchy territory that way so even in a game like let's say like D D, where you know dice rolls would be a huge part of determining how a scene plays out at that point, I kind of like to pause and be like, okay, we're not going to rely on mechanics for this. We're going to talk about how you think this would actually play out. Mm -hmm. um, and then we'll, we enter a kind of like a different, a little bit like of a different space, a different circle of, of 
how the game works and then maybe go back to how it was before or after that scene is concluded. Mm-hmm. On the other uh, hand, um, Lucian's game in the clefts of the rock is a game about fantasy world creation. Um, and so I, but, but you do it while like touching other people's bodies. Uh, and, and while the game has some like deeper themes about what are the fictions and layers we, we coat our bodies with and how do we view our own bodies and things like that. Um, both in terms of gender and in terms of, I don't know, fatness and beauty and that kind of thing. But you can absolutely use that game to do world building and create, for example, a fantasy landscape uh, that you then play in. Uh, and that can be really interesting if you're, if, you're, if, you're, if you're playing with a group that's comfortable touching each other's bodies and you do this fantasy world building and then you play D&D and then you reach that world. You're like, huh, I was stroking your genitals when I made this location. Interesting. And now we are visiting this location as adventurers. That could be interesting. Um, so, yeah, That's that could be real. Yeah, <laughs> could be a fun experience. Yeah, it sounds like you're very excited for this to get into people's hands and see what they do with it. Because... Uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, we're art, clear and artists, right? Uh, it's all about like, you know, death of the author. What do people do with the games once it's out there? At that point, maybe our opinions matter not at all as designers, right? Like, it's what mm-hmm. they, what other people make of the game, uh, which is why, again, safety tools are kind of important because other people can misconstrue. The miss is a strong way of saying that, but they can construe the game in certain ways that become unsafe, uh, and that's why you know we want to put emphasis on that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Thank you. So we're running out of time. Um, when, when does, when does honey and hot wax come out? Do, Cause it's right on, it's on pre-order right now. I know that COVID-19 is affecting a lot of things. Um, is there a projected timeline for this to be released? Well, we were hoping um, this this summer-ish time, we think we might still make that timeline because as a note, this game is not coming out in print. Uh, this game is, for now, it's only coming out in digital format because um, the grant money we got, we are, are one of our main, one of our major aims for this was for the grant money to go directly to the people involved in, in designing the games and stuff. Um, we didn't want to use any of the grant money towards like printing costs, which are very expensive. Our aim was to uplift um, right. a diverse team of indie designers, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And so we decided to only do PDF. Um, so we think we're on track to have it come out in summer, but it is really helpful if you're interested, if you pre-order, because that signals to the publisher that there's a lot of interest, right? And if there's enough interest, we might make a print cop, print run. And if we do a print run, we might even include more games in it. Um, because we had a lot of, you know, we had 30 submissions in the first round, after which um, we paid um, like 15 of those submissions to make the game. And then we paid eight total games uh, to in, be included in the anthology. So there's still good games out there that we couldn't fit in the anthology just because of, you know, how much grant funding we got, which was very generous from the Effing Foundation. But of course, there was a limit. Um, mm. And so um, if we do a print run, if it's very popular, uh, we will include some more games. Amazing. Yeah, Pelgrane Press has been uh, doing some great stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Honey and Hot Wax. And then, of course, there's that hashtag feminism book as well. Um, yeah, that's one so- reason we approached Pelgrane Press, because they have a history of doing, you know, hashtag feminism and, and Seven Wonder, which are a bit more indie. Hashtag feminism, I feel, aligns maybe a little bit with some of the topics of our game. But they're also, you know, very good at, like, 13th Age and Knights Black Agents and Trail of Clues. 
yeah, they have a great um, spread of products. Also, Kat Tobin, uh, one of the heads of Pelgrin Press, uh, when I spoke to her about the game, she really believes in the mission of the of the book. She's like, I really like the fact that this is about spreading sex positivity and it has a good message. And mm-hmm. she's like, and the games seem very unique. And you know, people keep saying, Sharon, the games are so unique. I'm like, don't compliment me for the games being unique. Compliment the designers because they're the ones who made. You may compliment me about my game. I will accept that. Uh, but we have these uh, this great team of designers to make wild stuff that are that is very different. Like Cleo's game is light and frothy and fun and not as not that saucy while like you know Janea Kemper's game you you play Va- uh, Dracula and Lucy watching each other masturbate right um so it's a lot more serious and interesting but like it's a wide variety of of uh, cool um cool cool games that's that's awesome um so if if people want to ask you questions about this stuff on Twitter because th- this like honey and hot wax is it challenges everything that you think about role playing, you know, human relationships, sexuality. If, if people want to ask you more questions about, you know, your games, this project, or even all the other work that you do, where can they find you on the internet? Um, Cleo, you want to go first? Yeah. So I can be found pretty much anywhere on the internet as at CYS Davis. So I'm there on Twitter think that's my instagram and it's also my patreon okay sweet and um i'm most often on twitter which is at sharung biswas my full name s-h-a-r-a-n-g-b-i-s-w-a-s my twitter also links to my website um which also links to my itch my itch uh, otherwise is astrolingus a-s-t-r-o-l-i-n-g-u-s where i have some of my work not all of my work on um and if you if you have, if you have my Twitter, you'll be able to find my website, which links to everything. Um, but yeah, do do talk to us about these games, about our projects, about a another saucy project Cleo and I are working on that we are not ready to announce yet. But stay tuned; we're having meetings. Okay, we'll we'll have to have you back on the show to talk. About <laughs> when that comes out, yes. Um, but yeah, feel free to ask us. If you don't know, indie designers love talking about their work. <laughs> Because, you know, A, they're indie, and so, you know, they have a much smaller audience. So when someone actually says, I played your game or I'm interested in your game, that fills our heart with joy. We're like, what? So do ask us. And also, I, for one, am really committed to um, spreading positive ideas of sexuality through art in the world. And so I love talking about about it. So, I mean, I'm talking Amazing. about it now. Amazing. I mean, this, is, this has got to be one of the more unique episodes of Asians Represent that we've done. Because I, I think this is this is one where this is all about the creator. And I mean, in previous episodes, we've talked about Asian themes. This mm-hmm. this one is, you know, a universal human theme. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm really grateful that we we got to do this and we got to really, you know, e- expand what is possible through games and learn about what is possible through games and introduce our audience to that. Cleo and Sharang, thank, thank you for, for joining Amar and I for this episode. Um, Thanks for having us. It's been a great start to my quarantine weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks to Shrong and Cleo for joining us for this episode of Asians Represent. And thank you, listener, for tuning in. Asians Represent is part of the One Shot Podcast Network. 
you head to oneshotpodcast.com, you can listen to a variety of amazing podcasts like the Character Creation Cast. Each month, Character Creation Cast creates characters from a different game with guests from the RPG world, then examines the process in depth. They always take time to reflect on the game, its design, and what guests have to say about it. Um, Character Creation Cast folks are some amazing people, so check out their show. I don't think that we uh, provide them enough shout-outs from our platform, so here's one. Um, If you have questions about uh, this episode's theme, uh, the games we discussed within this Honey and Hot Wax anthology, or anything else related to Asians Represent, get in touch with us on Twitter at AZNSRepresent, or at AZNSrepresent at OneShotPodcast.com. Remember, every Friday at 7 p.m., Steve and I have our Asians Read stream at twitch.tv slash AZNSrep. I'm Daniel, and you've just listened to Asians Represent. Asians Represent.